January 27, 
For Pedro's show, brother man, how you doing? Excellent. Had a gray in Pedro here. I'll yeah, go. it's funky, but it's good. Pleasure Point, Love Grotto, Wild Kingdom, yeah. all of the above. Uh, we started with Miles Davis with uh, John Coltrane aboard doing two bass hit, an alternate take, shorter one a little bit, and then uh, we had Fishbone boning in the boneyard, bitching, which one of the most righteous bands ever. Yeah. And we got the basement. Norwood in the house. Yeah. Hey. Welcome. Thanks for coming to Pedro. You know what? I get a call, say, Watt said show up. Yeah. Wood got to show the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, more than that, I'm going to ask you for your earliest musical memory. Um, <clears throat> My earliest musical memory, absolutely, um... The, the was a uh, 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 Hey Jude Beatles. Yep, my, Radio or record. 
my my they they said I I don't remember exclaiming that it was my favorite yeah. song, but we had the forty five, and they said that because that was my favorite song. So my parents bought that forty five to satisfy that need to hear it over and over again, <laughs> you know. So that was that absolutely that's my earliest like. Oh, were you, you think? Probably three. Okay. Yeah. Me, yeah, I was night. That was you know, I was born in '65, so uh-huh. I think it would have. I would have made been that about been right when it came out. Yeah, wow, yeah, it was definitely fresh then. Yeah, so it was like that was. I was conscious of, and and like I said, I don't. I don't actually remember asking. Please buy that for me. They just. They probably just got it because I reacted to it. And you uh, started playing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember just staring at the apple going around yeah, in a right. circle on the turntable. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So were your folks musical, or were they just listening to tunes too? Um, they they were they were musical on on just you know like maybe the average family level. You know, there was a time when everybody played music in sure. families, and you know, or like you know, cause my father was a drummer. Okay. Um, but he maybe he didn't really get a drum kit until my parents divorced, right? So I was five when they divorced. So there's no drums in the past. So there was no. I didn't grow up with drums in the house. But when they he was five when I divorced. So me and my brother go over to his house. He'd have his drum kit set up in the kitchen. So your brother ends up a drummer. My brother ends up a drummer. Um, and you know my mother, you know she we went to church all my childhood, and so she sang in the she, choir, right? right. right? Um, so there's musical music so there, yeah. in the house. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my father's brothers and my uncles, Yeah. now they were in a band called Smoke. They were actually, it was Black Smoke and and then uh, the, the record label, they were on Chocolate, Chocolate City Records. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the, which was one of the homes of Parliament and, and Cameo was on Sure, cameo. It was on Chocolate City Records and a few other bands and, and uh it was a Neil Bogart company, right? So Right, Casablanca. Casablanca family, right? So there's even a Casablanca last poet record. There's one. Ah. It's called uh Garden of Unearthly Delights or something like that. It's a trip. Yeah, Bernard so, Purdy on drums. I just saw Bernard Purdy at Nam. Oh, yeah, yeah. he can still kick it up, huh? Oh my God, he was so nasty, bro. It was like it was gnarly. But so my uncles, they the funny thing is, it wasn't funny to them, but they were called Black Smoke. They made, they recorded the record. Came as the record was coming out, the record label decided they should change their name. Yeah. So it's actually. They changed the name. There's Black Smoke on the Streets, and this other record called Smoke came with the title, with the band name Smoke. So it caused all this confusion, so it tanked. Yeah. And eventually they became Donna Summer's backing band. Wow. So the pros. Yeah, yeah. So that was, so, you know, that was like one going to a couple of their rehearsals and, uh, Really, just actually, I got a family member that got a product on the street. I could sure. go into a record store and see that record. They gave us copies, you know. So, but, but you, but, you saw the practices. 
Yeah, just a couple. Oh man, it was totally inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See how band really works. Oh yeah. Get the stuff together. Yeah, but I maybe maybe I already had it in my mind that it was something that I was gonna do by that point. Okay. You know, like not just be a listener. Yeah, yeah. I already had it in my mind. I think because I I asked for a guitar at age six. Oh. And uh, somewhere in that time, I think I remember my next, between from Hey Jude, my next favorite song was Funky Worm by the Ohio yeah, Players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the next one that, that, like, you know, was an indelibly etched kind of thought in my so mind. I want a guitar. I want yeah. to be a band. Yeah, yeah. So... I think I was six and I asked for a guitar for Christmas. Yeah. Thought I wanted to play guitar. My mom got me a, a guitar. I think it was Christmas or birthday. I, 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 get, I don't remember. But I got one. I got a guitar. Six string, uh, you know, nylon string thing. Oh, Spanish. And, yeah. Acoustic. And uh, there was no one around to really show me how to play chords. Yeah. So I just sat around and played bass lines. Okay. The, you know, tried to pick out bass lines by ear on records. Sure. You know? So, but you understood what a bass was. It took me a while. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just the part that I that I related to. Right. You know? Sure. And, like, I wanted to learn chords, but, you so know, I just, and I, you know, I had a, a little mouth tuner, you know, a little mouth, so pitch I... Pipe. Yeah, pitch pipe thing, and, and uh, but... Then um um when I was eight, yeah, I like I asked for a weight set for Christmas. Weights. Yeah. Like get strong. Yeah, I was like I want a weight set. <laughs> I got a weight set for Christmas. Yeah, right. Your mom was very cool. Yeah, and it, but <laughs> she was a wish grant. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was cool. When I think about like the financial situation, it's kind of yeah, like. Right. Kind of like you know, we it wasn't like it was just laying. The money was sure. like plentiful. She made it happen though. But uh, but so, 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 so I got the weight set yeah. right. Christmas Day, my cousin comes over and he looks at the weights and he looks at me. He's like, "You ain't gonna lift them weights," <laughs> uh, you know. I'm like, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> Why you ain't gonna lift them weights? I tell you what. I'm going to make you a deal. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I think I'm I'm not going to play bass anymore. And he's like, you know, I don't think he would ever, I don't think he ever let me touch his bass. Oh, he was a bass man. You yeah, yeah. He, he played oh, bass. He's on my mother's side of the family. Okay. And, uh, um, you lift I, those weights and you can play my bass. Yeah, he, no, no, no. He's, he was like, I'll trade you. That oh. weight set for my bass. Wow! And I'll throw in this amp and this and my speaker, and I'll throw in my record collection because I don't think I'm gonna listen to rock anymore. I'm gonna start listening to jazz. I'm so I I inherited all. Like you take the weight set, you know, and I got weights. Yeah, take the weight set, and I got like. A bass. It was a Fender lead two bass. Oh yeah. And uh, not very long they made those. No, nah, not very long. I was, can't find one now. Yeah. Um, 
Fender Lead 2 bass. It was a PV Mark IV or something like that. Mark IV amp with a 215 speaker cabinet. I think I had that too. Yeah. It was called a 400. Yeah. Yep, yep. When I started Minutemen, I had one of those. They had a, they had hey, a tunnel. Hey, they they were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was built though. You could knock yeah, them down right, a flight right, of stairs right, and right, it would right. still play. Right. You know, so so uh and yeah. And the records, a lot of good ones. Yeah, yeah, and and really what happened then was cause it was Woodstock two was in there. Okay. There was uh Axis Bald is Love. Yeah, yeah. Um um Band of Gypsies. Yeah. And and uh, uh, that first posthumous Jimi Hendrix release, which really became my favorite record, was uh, um, the one with with uh, 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 like Freedom, Drifting. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. Like Astro Man was on side B. Uh, there, yeah, there was bootlegs called Astro Man. Right. Um, it was uh, all uh, the sessions, all the songs. Yeah, that's stuff yeah. came out after. You. That that particular one actually really, be, like I, it took me yeah, yep. That's there we go. No, 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 wait. What's on that? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. What's the name? This one, freedom, the freedom drifting. This one is cry of love. Cry, cry of, of love. love. Yes, that one. Of course, and that's the, the that one. Band. Later, like much later in life, I look back at songs that I that I wrote, and I was like, "Whoa, that one's creeping all through my songwriting, okay. right?" And uh, um, you know, so that was in there. Those those Jimi Hendrix records. There was a uh, uh, Jefferson Airplane. Wow. Um, he was the, a big bass man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. It was, it was, it was. A, what can you tell me about this? This is a new tune, Kung Fu Grip, huh? Kung Fu Grip. We're gonna play that right now. What can you tell, say about it? Okay, so I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote that song. Um, the, 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 uh, lyrically, I was like, I was imagining like, uh, I wanted to relate, uh, kind of metaphorically. It's about, it's about smoking weed. Ultimately, you know, it's like it's the song. I, I actually was like, yeah, if I write the song called Kung Fu Grip, you know, and try and try and get hopefully <laughs> not hopefully somebody will name a strain at Kung Fu Grip. Like, like you know, because gotcha. actually yeah. Billy Billy Bass, original yeah. original yeah. bass player, Funkadelic, who's like very fortunate in life to no, he's one of my best friends. Um, Billy Bass used to call weed. He's like, we'd smoke weed. He's like, oh, that's the choking kind, you know. And, so like the kung fu. Yeah, like the kung fu <laughs> grip. Yeah. So, well, let's listen to that right now. Kung Fu, Kung Fu, Kung Fu Grip I got that down Kung Fu 
and so to take a house so full of love, change things on a sale, to put money ahead of a workforce mission to sell us and move us, no matter how good and true to the fight we are. Give us a fair chance to show we run things right over the many years. I have friends here and find memories of a place, of a clubhouse to go to, a place to come to and keep it up with style, run the place like a top and send us out to work, score in the three departments, deliver the work order day. Convenience is a killer if it means putting money first. Don't shift us away from what we have grown to love. Just for the money's sake, move us with care, but maybe, but don't sell us out. You can't love her, she don't stay. A woman like that, this price to pay. Gave you a life, she can take it away. You can't love her, she don't stay. She walks in and you make room You're never really ready But it's what you gotta do I'll be over before too soon She walks in and you make room No silver-tongued man can inherit the earth It's the callus on your fingers Not the glory of your birth It's all of your faith in the wrong sense of work No silver-tongued man can inherit the earth yeah.
Rock for Pedro show. We heard Kung Fu Grip, Fishbone. And uh, people didn't hear, but it might be a Bob Mota, but <laughs> no, we're here 10 years without. But he's yep. still pro. Yep, yep. 10, ten years. That says, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, ten no. Years. I'm an advocate. I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not like a snob. I don't think. And that tune's for Billy Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's the inspiration. You know, we were gonna. I actually wanted to call the record "The Chokes on You," but uh, (laughs) 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 then we had Can Can Heads with Iron Man Overboard, Doctor Amazon with Dementog, the brand new Disciplina Kichma. This is gonna be a little tough, brother man. Nipoko le blivost pokaziti, and in parentheses, uz neofodnu dozu neobilgnosti. It's good. It's a good job. Dobro. Joe Brewer with Don't Sell Us. The opera's doing it right. I think they're in Strong Beach next week. Luther Toby with Aluminum Lady. Primus Tom with Tobacco and Love Hour Zero. Back to Norwood and his musical uh, journey. So, you've traded weights for a bass. Yes. You've already been uh, getting some bass going on the acoustic uh, nylon string guitar because no one showed you chords, so you went for bass lines. That's so, so interesting. And so now, you got the bass, you got the amp, you got the Jimmy Records, you got Jack Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. So you're learning by playing with the. That's how yeah, I'm yeah. Oh, and, and uh, 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 Chicago Transit Authority. Right, CTA. right. That was in there, dude. Fucking amazing record. Yeah. When I think back about that, like the songs on that, you know. Yeah. And uh, band too. Yeah, a lot yeah, of pieces. I think I want to like cover that album in the its full fullest wow. at some point. Like every song. Front first to the last. That would be a trip. Yeah. Okay, so from this period, when you got your stuff, and then making a band, was, when did you start playing with other people? Your brother first? Yeah, my brother first, because that, that actually, my brother got a snare drum. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, of course, we took one of my mother pot, mother's pot tops you know, took, took a like stood on things, took a nail to the ceiling, made it to where the, the pot top hung from the ceiling so he could have a symbol, you know. <laughs> and and we rocked out, yeah. you know what I mean. And you know, like really, we went for writing songs immediately, right away. Like we didn't sit around playing other people's stuff. We just like okay. We're a band and we're gonna write songs and we met, we wrote our songs and yelled into the air and rocked out and it was just a duet. Yeah, yeah, just the two of us. This is LA, you guys grew up. Yeah, that was fifteen fifty and a half West Fifty Ninth Place. There was people below us. Yeah, whoa, they got the gig. <laughs> they got the gig too. Yeah. Now, eventually, yeah. Um, Somebody broke into the house and stole the bass. Shit. Right? And my mother actually bought me another bass. Oh, fuck. Right? Great. Oh, man. Uh, it was not a Fender. It was a, uh, it was a 
hollow body bass called a conquistador. Whoa. Right? And, uh, and actually, you know, pretty soon I actually started playing bass in church. To the band. Yeah, it was, well, yeah, it was like there was a organ, organ pianist, the, you know, the organ player and, and the pianist, it was a mother and son, and uh, they they had, there was another kid that played drums eventually, but I played bass and, you know, played by ear, I t- I'm so, totally self-taught, like yeah, I, yeah. you know. But you're so, doing it every week. Yeah, yeah. Sundays. Yeah, showing up for choir rehearsal and Oh and rehearsal Yeah, yeah and figuring it out and you know hey, it was you know what they put up with my ass being all over the place and not you know, like they gave me encouragement. It was sure, cool. Sure. You know. And uh and uh uh you know, we left that church and, and uh I, that was the only church I played with. That was down on Broadway, you know, in 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 South Los Angeles. Yeah. Church called Bright Star Baptist Church and it was about ten when we stopped going there and I didn't play in church again after that. And that, that was that's when like as as we started moving around a little bit in Los Angeles and finally we moved to the west side. And that's when uh like I started playing with, like me and my brother started playing with other people, okay. right? And there was people that, like we just we lived in a building, an apartment building where people, the, the, the building managers, again, lived right above us. He put up with it, all of it, you know? And so now, like I'm 11, I'm in, in an, at a new school, new place. And, uh, and the, the people in the neighborhood, the people in my apartment building will be coming to people that we're playing with. And, you know, it's, but, you know, nobody has a guitar. It's a guy that comes over and he beats on the back of a, a of a, a acoustic guitar, like he's a percussionist, right? <laughs> you know, and another kid had a bass. His name was Kevin Allen and Kevin, we were both bass players, but, but at, at age 12, that's when I, I started getting bussed to the valley, San Fernando Valley. And, uh, oh, let me do, actually, let me back this up a little bit. Because uh, my mother's side of the family is from Coffeyville, Kansas, which is the place where the Daltons, I believe, were killed. Oh, man. And uh, it's not much else. I've, I've seen it on tour. Coffee yeah, Bill. Coffee Bill. Yeah. Teeny tiny blip on the map. But uh so we spent we spent summers in Coffeeville. Had another cousin, Jojo. Jojo played guitar. And it was actually it was in Coffeeville where my ear turned all the way on. I, it was I just I would be listening to the record collection there. My my JoJo and his sister Marva Joe's uh, record collection. And I think that summer, 11 about to turn 12, I learned how to play You and I by Rick James, Brick House, yeah. and Night of the Thumposaurus Peoples from the Mothership Connection album. Yeah, yeah. Right? So and, 
And so my ear clicked in. Yeah. And that really began my journey as a bass player. Okay. Like it it now I'm like I can hear shit and pick it up. Yeah. And I'm I'm fucking turned on. So that that after that summer then I get bused to to Woodland Hills to go to junior high school and I meet the guys that would be start to meet the guys that would become the original members of Fishbone. Chris. You know, Chris Dowd and Kendall Jones at first. Angelo didn't come till a year later. Kendall. But but man. yeah, me me, Kendall and Chris first, but like buddied up and you know once we once they they were friends, they found out I played. Yeah. We're like oh, we should start a band. I'm like, well, I already got a band with my brother. He's the drummer. And they're like, oh, we're already a band too, you know? So So we all started getting together. Not Walt, not quite yet. But he was was in the band at school. See, I I never did the school band thing. Oh, okay. But, uh... Especially horn guys. Yeah, yeah. We, We knew Walt, but that would come later. Yeah. Uh... So, and it was actually, I think I was walking to Chris's house to to play. And I, I, in my mind, I remember Walt coming up to me on a bicycle going like, yeah, I heard you guys got a band. He's like, I want to, can you know, can I be down? I'm like, well, fuck, you know, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, the cool. But he made the pitch. Yeah, yeah. He was like, but so, so, uh. You know, so yeah, but Chris Chris had a piano at his house, and Kendall did not have a guitar. You know, <laughs> and but he could play. But he, he in his mind he could play, <laughs> <laughs> and he could though. Yeah. He, like when he got a guitar, it turned right on. Okay, right. But he would go to Chris's house, and they both play piano. You know, oh, okay. so it's. His Chris's uncle would come to my house, pick up my my amp and my speaker and and me and my bass. And we'd go over to Chris's house, set up so he could play. You know, we couldn't bring the piano to my house, no. so we set up over there and we jam. Yeah, you know, his uncle Alex and Uncle Alex was actually he was fun dude, man. He cool. he could play piano too, and he'd play and he'd sing and he'd be like, yeah, y'all need to do it like this, and he, you know, oh, wow. so we we. You know, so we we uh, we get together and the, and we jam, and then they come over, and they come over my place, and eventually somebody got a little Casio tone keyboard, like it was it was like just you know like yeah. a foot long or something, yeah, yeah. less than a foot, little thing, little thing and play little keyboards. Well, mm-hmm. at that same all this time, music is changing. You know, we're talking about like 1978 going into 79. Right. You know, we're we're picking up like all of the L.A. funk, like well, the black radio in L.A. Right. But we all. Yeah, K Day and KGFJ. KGFJ, right. Right, and and right across street. K Day was on 43rd and Crenshaw. Yes. The Merc Park. Yes. There was a trippy club there called the. Total Experience. Total Experience. Okay, you know this neighborhood? Yeah, Total Experience and Maverick's Flat was over there. 
They had their, their station right there. They had yeah. speakers. Yeah. This is early 80s. Yeah. For me. So, so you know, and we, but the thing that, again, that all of us, all of us listen to rock. Yeah. We all listen to rock, you know, so. And it was in those years that, so we would like, you know, we were, we bond, we were bonded on all this different music that we all listened to that maybe no one else in our neighborhood listened to. Yeah, yeah. But not everybody listened to Funkadelic. No. You know, because, but we listened to Funkadelic and they, the, re- the Funkadelic records that I didn't have, they had. So we trade records, you know, and yeah, you know, complete the picture, man. Because yeah, in that in that record collection, that was yeah. the, it was a, the first Funkadelic record, and America Eats Its Young was oh, in that. Wow. I inherited that too, you know. But um, you didn't have Maggot Brain. You didn't. Didn't have, have Maggot Brain. They had so one of them two had Maggot sure, Brain, yeah. you know. So, uh, you know. So, but then at a at a certain point, more and more people from my neighborhood started coming over to my place to jam, you know. And and but Chris couldn't because the piano. Yeah, but there was like there was that Casio, that Casio tone. That's what yeah. Okay, okay. And eventually, Kendall got a guitar. Yeah. You know, and so Kendall got a guitar. Like, you know. Like we'd sit on the phone and he'd play guitar on one end of the phone and not play bass on the other end and we'd you know, we we if we weren't together, we'd do that. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So um then the ninth grade, uh Angelo came to school. You know, he he transferred to the school we were all in. And that you know, we didn't know at the time, but that completed the picture. All of the original members were together by the ninth grade, 13, wow. turning to 14 in 1979, you know. And and really, the, you know, so now, you know, 79, the world was becoming a really different place. We're in the ninth grade. Punk rock is scaring people's parents. Yeah. You know, I got, you know, like it's this just busing, so the school is now forced integration. Yeah. Everybody's cool on a certain level. The kids ain't never had no real, real problems, you know? And, you know, so as kids, there's like, you need to listen to Rush. I Fuck, I love Getty Lee, right? So that really turned me on on bass because actually that same cousin, Bud, right? Yeah. Like, the sum- after the Kansas summers, yeah. We, me and my brother spent a couple summers with him. Well, he was listening to jazz. Okay. A lot of fusion. So he turned us on to Return to Forever. Okay, Stanley. You know, yeah. Um, um, Lenny, Lenny uh, White and the Astro Pirates. Uh, He's the drummer. In the- yeah, yeah. John Luponti. You know, yeah. And so we, we started listening to this really super sophisticated, like, advanced fucking musicianship, right? <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, we got to hold, because we're at the end of the first hour. Yeah. January 27th, uh, 2016, is it, Brother Matt? Or did I screw that up again? Uh, take two. Yes, Norwood Fisher. Yeah. January 27th, 2016... Second hour, what for Pedro show? 
there once was a mob that wanted her. There once was a mob that wanted her. Oh, my God. 
Not in my lips look for your mouth. Not in front of the gate for the stranger. Not in the eye for the tear. Seven nights higher, red makes for red. Seven hearts deeper, the hand knocks on the gate. Seven roses later, plashes the fountain.
se děje, když je ticho, když se začne ztrácet, mezi špíry, mezi zmatek, mezi stopy v blátě. Co se děje, když je zima, když už není cítit, mezi prsty, mezi slovy, mezi prázdnem síti. Co se děje, když je zmatek a co když už slábne, mezi skonem, mezi co je a co není správně. Když je ticho, když se začne ztrácet, mezi špíry, mezi smatek, mezi stopy v plátě. Co se děje, když je zima, když už není cítit, mezi prsty, mezi slovy, mezi prázdnem cítit. Co se děje, když je smatek a co když už slábne, mezi sponem, mezi co je a co není správně. Všechno změní, pokoření, každodenní koroze.
Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with uh, Fishbone doing Ma and Pa. That's for Coffee Bill. Well, that's the cousins. Yeah. Uh, but your Ma side family, right? Yeah, my, my, yep, my mother's side of the family, Coffee Bill, Kansas. Right. You know. Very influential. Yes. Uh, Would you say turn the ear? Uh, then we had Dan Kaufman, Corner Time. Rez from uh, Ujbadoma. Care about nothing from gun, deflation situation, water landing, king swing, swing, reverend circle. Uh, to continue on, we're still in junior high. Pete. Yeah, still in junior high. So like, I, like, yeah, I was just saying there, there was the the uh, jazz influence and a lot of fusion, but we we got turned on to like all levels of jazz, hanging out with Bud in Turlock, California, uh, Stanislaus County. Sure. Yeah. So uh so yeah, so so that that became a part of it and that actually so you know why I could like immediately tune in to what Getty Lee was doing on bass, you know what I mean? Like that was like I was like fuck, he's playing his ass off. But at that in in that same year that I like got turned on to Permanent Waves by Rush. Sure. Like this fucking punk rock thing was fucking bubbling underground, right. Right? right? And, you know, it's like, at first, it was, actually, Kendall had a cousin named Ira. Ira was a bouncer at uh, the Vex. Vex? Yes. Well, there was three of them. Yeah. He was I a, did all three. He was a bouncer at the Vex, so he had... Joe Vex was the boss, yeah. yeah. He had stories, yeah. right? <laughs> he had stories. Yeah, crazy music. Them stories was kind of... Them stories was kind of exciting and scary <laughs> for us, right? Yeah. And he actually took Kendall. Oh, wow. Right? Now, Kendall was, I believe, I might be accurate if I said he was kind of scared yeah. by what he saw. I, I don't remember what bands he that uh, Ira took him to see, but uh, you know, eventually, you know, because of the, what the media was doing, like it was fucking curiosity, like what sure. the fuck's going on over there. Pretty soon, you know, like seventy nine turning into eighty, somewhere yeah. in there, the first L A Weekly kind of hit started hitting L A Weekly hitting the streets, so now we can read about it. Right, you know, right. in the L.A. Weekly, some local shit's mm. going down. Yeah. You know? And we starting to hear the sounds. And we actually, we did a, uh, we, we, there was in that, the, maybe it's the spring of 80, we were still in ninth grade, I think. We, um, we, we actually were like, oh, let's do this talent show, right? That's cool. Angelo really wanted us to do this talent show. And he talked the uh he talked to the music teacher into allowing us to rehearse in the in the in the in the band room. in the band room yeah and that first rehearsal because we just said yeah to everybody like it was like 14 15 people you know from the from my neighborhood mostly that all showed up banging on shit, singing, you know. I'm playing upright bass. I never played upright bass in my life before that point, you know. <laughs> fucking trying to work it out, you know. Anyway, we never played that 
show because some crazy shit happened. I don't even remember exactly what, but the like one of my best friends, and I knew I was friends with both of these guys, but one was black, the other was white. Everybody took sides. It was there was no riot really, but it was a lot of tension and it could have got nasty. And they disqualified us all from playing in the talent show because yeah. of that incident. Yeah. Um, but we kept on going, of course, and started rehearsing at my house on a regular basis because Chris's mom couldn't take the noise. My mom was super cool about it, yeah. you know. And that same year, the gang in my neighborhood began to actually form. Because in L.A., in the, in the 70s, there was a point where a lot of gang activity kind of faded a little bit on the west side especially. Maybe it didn't do so much on the east side. We were on the west side by this point, like La Cienega Cadillac area. and But there was a bunch of dance groups. The gang in my neighborhood seemed like it was there was just this dance group called the Playboy Dancers. Well, they people got family all over the city. Somebody had some cousins that was like from the east side and they kind of talked all the dance groups eventually turned into gangs. Wow, guys that just dancing. Yeah, cuz actually they would they would dance and roller skating was hot back then yeah. too, right? So the roller skate, the local roller skate, there was the Arlington Rink and there was yeah. the, the uh, World on Wheels and there was a few other ones, but people would, one, they would dance, they would have dance-offs and the losing dance crew would want to fight a lot. <laughs> so, you know, they, these fights turned into gang shit, you know. So, but these... I wasn't, I wasn't hip to that. I yeah. That and they had like, because Flashlight was big in that yeah, time, yeah. right? So they had a lot of lot of, lot of band a lot of these dance groups were the red lights, the blue lights, the green lights, the oh, okay. like they took on these names from that song yeah, sure. as well. So anyway, like these guys that was jamming with us cuz after that talent show thing, we were even it was like kind of consistent rehearsals at my place. All these people from the neighborhood like they were becoming gangsters, you know? And he, but first, before they became a Kansas, they became a rival band called Pirate and the Boogie Band. Right? These are the guys in Chamblin. Yeah. Hold on. Plays uh, John Coltrane. Right on. Someone wants a yank on my leash. So. Just let it go up. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. So these, so some of them became a rival band called Pirate and the Boogie Band. And then, then they moved into straight gangster business. In the pirate, the boogie band, those guys. Those guys all drummer, became. A bass, yeah, a they all, but they, but they were not much unlike us, as they declared themselves a band. Most of them didn't have instruments. Oh. Okay. Pirate played bass. He had a bass. Okay. And maybe somebody, a couple other ones had instruments, but some of them didn't have instruments and. And actually, I ran into one of the guys a couple of years ago at a party at the Green Jello House, and his his name was Raynard. He's a mountain of a man, like yeah. you know, probably seemed like he was six foot seven, right? Big and big, yeah, yeah. you know. And he was like, he looked at me. He was like, you know, 
I asked for a guitar for Christmas that year. My mom didn't give it give it to me, and the next thing you know, I was banging. Wow. You know, if he would have got that guitar, right, it would have changed his life, right? So, But he was in the, this pirate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those guys became gangsters. We focused on the music, Yeah. you know, and I'll... What about this other music uh, style, ska? Okay, so check this yeah. out. So first, though, first, first, there is one we did that sky in 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 sky came about because yeah. we were K Day and KGFJ and KGLH was the other black radio station. Yeah. Periodically, from about 1978, they started bumping a little reggae here and there. That's when Marley came. Yeah. I saw him at UCLA. That yeah. Day. Late at night, you'd hear it sometimes. Periodically during the day, you'd hear like a little reggae, you know. First Bob Marley, then uh, uh, Third World, Steel Pulse. Yeah. Steel Pulse. Peter Tosh on yeah. Saturday Night Live with, right. with uh, uh, Stones. Stones, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so all of that stuff was starting. So we were playing with reggae rhythms. You know, there was there was some uh, maybe Belizeans in the neighborhood that ah. sounded like they were from Jamaica. We didn't know the difference, uh, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, because that, that's England too. Belize. Yeah, yeah. So so we started playing with these reggae rhythms. And this knowledge of punk rock, without you know, actually experiencing it. Right, right. But, but yeah, yeah. Like just you know, so we started speeding up this reggae thing, right? right? And we, you know, just got youthful energy on it and playing faster and faster and faster. I knew when we, once we hit a certain pop, I sort of stopped. I was like, whoa, we just invented something new. Punk rock reggae, what are we going to call it? And Dirty Walt looked like, fool, we didn't invent nothing. That's Sky. I was like, nah, man, we, Walt knew. I hadn't, I didn't have a clue. Walt had an aunt that was a limo driver, and she introduced she introduced Walt to Sky, right? Somebody gave her a couple cassettes. What was that cassettes. club on Sunset Boulevard? The On Club. That's it. On yes. Club. Yes. It was was it Echo Park or Silver Lake? Yeah, yeah, Silver Lake. Okay. Yep. So if I talked to hardly anybody remembers that path. Yeah, it was, was kind of isolated. It was, yeah, but it was fucking gnarly. Oh. Like, it was a beautiful it's like built into the hill. Yeah, so 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 uh, Walt brought the the English beat and the selector about two three days later in yeah. on cassette. I listened to it. I was like, oh, we Those didn't. Invent, England, uh, yeah, we didn't. We didn't invent anything. Yeah. But and then we got. Well, somebody once told me the only thing new. Is you finding out? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And and then we then then now I'm like, oh shit, there's this music and we needed to discover it. So we got deep in the two tone. Yeah, right. You know, the premise worked for us. You know, we would force busing in LA, integrated schooling, two tone movement, it made sense. Did you, you know? uh, realize that that was actually the second wave? There was a whole system. No, we had no idea. We had that no idea. Wasn't that weird too? Yeah. The big audience for that original Scott. Yeah. Skinheads. Yeah. Was bizarre. So 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 then, but now we're interested in yeah. in this shit. Actually, in in that same period of time, yeah. The Who does their first farewell tour. Oh yeah. The Clash is opening. 
Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. I wanted a big gig. Yeah. Arena. No. So that was that was. Where was it? Like it was the Coliseum. Coliseum. So a few of us went to that. So got to see the Clash, right? And they've got some kind of... Yeah, so they had some reggae, some punk rock, you know, like, that was one of the first real, you know... No, I made the connection, too, because uh, Bob Riley had a song called... Punky Punky Reggae. Party. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a natural, that's the way they did it over there. Yeah. I had no idea, I didn't really know about Jamaica and all this. Yeah. found out later, though. Yep, and then... Put some my talls and... Yep, and, and... and uh and then I think there was uh at the the Fox Theater in Venice yeah. there was a it seems like it was it all played in the same night I could be collapsing things but you know decline of western civilization and dance craze oh yeah now if, whether they were in the same night or not we saw we the whole band went to see both movies oh, wow. at the Fox Theater what was that Jimmy Cliff one the harder they come, come saw that yeah, there. Yeah, so, yep. the, so those movies had a lot. Yeah, those movies had a lot to do yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. To 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 where we would go direction wise. Fear on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, that was great. You know, and and then there was this band. My mother lived. My grandmother lived like on Burnside. Uh, between like like you know where between Washington and and Adams the ten rolls down she lived on the Washington side okay. right yeah, yeah yeah between uh, Fairfax and La Brea right and they're like it's a fucking black neighborhood it's punk rock band I get a flyer at school it's punk rock bands playing on her block wow and me and my brother go like yeah let's go let's go hang out with Grandma and go see this punk rock band. <laughs> And uh, Hunt Sales was the drummer. Wow. So it said it on the flyer. Hunt Sales was he's like, Soupy Sales Kid. We thought that was funny <laughs> as fuck. So we went, to, we went to, go, to, to go see that band. So that was like me and Fish's real, like other called? than the clash, it was, a, it was in a garage, it was a garage. somebody's house. Yeah, Punk right. rock show in a garage yeah, on my yeah. grandma's block in the hood. In the hood. <laughs> well, there was that club east of Harbor Freeway called Bob Contemple Hall. Right. Gigs for little yeah. lots, but not house gigs. Yeah, that was a, that was somebody's house. It was. Trip. It seemed like I could. And Hunt Sales, he's the drum. When you listen to that song, the, "Lust for Life," huh. that's Hunt Sales. Oh, okay. And he so played in Tin Machine. Machine. That's right. And that's when I met him. We went to see the Tin Machine and and at, at the Roxy. They played a bunch of. No, nah, I missed that. Oh, okay. We were on tour and we caught the Tin Machine. We had a day off and they were playing at Toad's place. Okay, like in Connecticut. Hartford, yeah. yeah. Was that Hartford? Yeah, or New Haven. New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut. Gale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so saw... It's got it, all the people who played there, they paint... Yeah. Bob Dylan played there, yeah. Rolling Stones. And yeah. They paint all their names on it. Wow. Yeah, so so then, so, you know, and and all of that in that time, you know, and then... And at some point in there, Angelo brought the Bad Brains. Oh, wow. To, like, and we first we listened to it, and then we looked at it, and we was like, these dudes are black. You was know it what I mean? cassette? It was a cassette. Yeah. yeah. They, they didn't have an album at first. Yeah. Angelo on and stuff Yeah, like Angelo brought the cassette to, to my house. And so he that was the first time we ever heard Bad Brains. And then, 
you know, so there was there was nothing ever to make us feel like we couldn't do anything, right. you know, and 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 then the the, the Bus Boys was another band oh, like yeah, that we liked, uh-huh. right? Kind of wave more. Yeah, they were more new wave, but yeah. this they is had some success. But this is a cool thing, like L.A. in that time. Yeah. New Wave turned on the black community, the kids. Yeah. The kids dug New Wave. Black but, girls. What was the neighborhood they were from? Um, the Bus Boys of Gardena. The Gardena guys. That's yeah. Right. Okay. But, you know, they came, they were ahead of us for a few years, sure, quite a few older. years. A little older, but, yeah. you know. But what was it called? Minimum Wage Minimum Wage Ride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they had jokes. <laughs> so, with, so you know, like we were listening to all of that stuff, and and in L.A., this the most amazing thing was happening. Like, you know, we went from from like there was you know free bass, late seventies, crackers coming in, gangs are bolstering up, but at the same time. This new wave thing, and it, I think it went along with the two tone sky thing. Yeah, that that actually, the black community did not feel excluded from new wave. What about what about the reggae? It was danceable, yeah, and reggae, reggae too. But it was new wave had a serious impact in the okay. black community. It was heavy, cause Devo. Yeah. Like everybody liked Devo at a certain age range, you know, kids. Yeah, the yeah. kids loved Devo, Oingo Boingo. Yeah, yeah. Fucking girls loved Adamant, you know. But everybody kind of, you could Durand, dance. Duran Duran eventually. But okay. but really, like, like Blondie, because Blondie did that. Blondie. Debbie Harry did a lot to kind of bridge that thing sure, with, sure. with rap thing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it was actually like, and and you get these kids like Crenshaw all over L.A. wearing these shirts because Melrose was cracking. They go to the fucking uh, uh, and and actually Prince and the Time had a lot to do with it too, okay. right? Because okay. the Time went thrift store shopping yeah, for their right. first album cover, so everybody went and hit the thrift shops on Melrose, and pretty soon you're seeing these shirts from Flip. Was the uh, flip, store, flip, flip. so all these kids in the hood is wearing flip shirts, <laughs> and and that was like it was like it was an amazing time, in to me in music and black radio started playing some of that stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the fucking rock lobster, rock lobster was on yeah, black I, radio, I heard that cars, yeah, cars was on black radio, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's an amazing time in music. It's a little more loose. You know? So that was, under all of that backdrop, you know, 1983, we go to see George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars at the Beverly Theater, you know, bought tickets for one show, snuck into three. They had five shows, you know? (laughs) Right? And uh, outside of one of those shows... We were playing our first club date later that week, yeah. right? We're super fans of P-Funk. We were standing outside wanting to meet Bootsy and George Clinton. And standing out there backstage with us is Brian O'Neill from the Bus Boys and uh-huh. Nina Hagen. Uh-huh. 
right? We didn't really know much of Nina Hagen, who that was. Actually, and I'm skipping over something really important, yeah. discovering KXLU at the left end of the dial. Yeah, yes. How many the, years were you there, brother? Five. Five years. Yeah. There was a show called The Blue Shift. Okay. That that whole, that station was so important to, like, what, to discovering said, music. Show. Yes. That was so important to discovering music, period, because... The first time I heard Metallica was on KXLU, the first time I heard Kate Bush was on KXLU, you know? Yeah. That's, that shit. Each, each DJ had their own thing. There was yeah. no master playlist. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, fuck, dude. Like, so so much of the, the scope of what was under the punk rock umbrella was able to be accessed through that porthole, you know? That was super important. To, to to discovery, exploration, and sending you off in a different directions, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so all of that was happening in all of our heads, you know, and we meet Nina Hagen, you know, she's standing outside the door with Brian O'Neill. Out comes Bootsy. Nina Hagen starts singing opera. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then fucking descends into the exorcist, you know? <laughs> I was like, whoa, she's badass. <laughs> you know, so we befriended Nina Hagen. She used to call she used to call my mom's house, talk to me and my brother, and talk about the spaceships coming there. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh man. She actually had the fishbone horns come to play on what we the track New York, New York, but they couldn't play in tune. She never used the tracks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it was it was uh uh but that was cool like you remember the first gig you said oh hell yeah week. it was later that was, week yeah. so we invited brian o'neill to that first gig we were at madame wong's chinatown oh yeah 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 that was our first gig madame wong's chinatown we went there once to it see was, the bag, she threw them off after four songs. <laughs> she said, this is not music. <laughs> <laughs> it's not music. Oh. She stopped them. Alice wow. was pissed. <laughs> wow. Anyway, what was that gig like? Well, it was, that was 1983. I was 17. Yeah. It was May 21st. That year, it was Armed Forces Day. Whoa. And, uh, and it was uh, it, the guy that we the guy that ran the re- rehearsal space that we were at. He had a band called the American Urge, and so he put the show together, and that was our first club show. Opening for the American Urge. Yeah, and like you know, I had been I had seen Parliament Funkadelic. Like in 1978, my dad took me and my brother. Cool. And uh, the mothership. All yeah, mothership landed the whole nine, right? It, and that show was actually it was Donald Bird, Donald Bird and the Blackbirds opening. Oh, yeah. wow. No, no, no. Wait, yeah, Donald. It was Donald Bird and the Blackbirds cameo and Parliament Funkadelic, right? And uh, uh, and then later. The 79 was the funk festival, the second funk festival, which was like 
uh, Confunction, Rick James, the Bar Kays, uh, the Brides of Funkenstein, yeah, Bootsy Collins, Parliament, Parliament Funkadelic. They had Bar Kays in Lakeside. Yeah. There was a gig. I don't know if it was this. I can't remember. I don't think it was a, a festival. That was just a concert. Everybody, that would have been, in Long Beach, it would have been just a concert. That was at the Coliseum. This, was, this was at the Long Beach. Yeah. So, so, like, my relationship to where the show meant. Oh, a big thing. Yeah, was was like, you know, well, we, we played two hours that first show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote the set list. <laughs> it was like our first show. We played two fucking hours. But keep in mind. Keep in mind, our first rehearsal yeah. that like was in 1979. Yeah, we rehearsed from 1979 to 1983. Getting ready, you're ready to go. You know, so we had material. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you know, so that was uh, and so so, but Brian O'Neill came to that show. And when he saw us, he was like, he he called the guy that would become our first manager, Roger Perry. Roger Perry actually managed Fear at one point. Wow. He managed the Bus Boys. Yeah. But they weren't their manager. He wasn't their manager at that time. And he had managed Fear. So Roger booked us at the music machine yeah. so he could come and see us. Cool. Now, at the time, we were called Megatron. We had not got to Fishbone. We were called Megatron. He booked us, the music machine booked us with this heavy metal band called Kicks. Right? Kind of hair band. Yeah, yeah, they were hair bands. So, uh, Roger and my grandmother came to that show. (laughs) My grandmother rocked out more than anybody there. That was a trippy place. Yeah. I saw some amazing. I saw saw you there. Yeah, I I saw the Minutemen at the Music Machine because that was was close to me. That was my neighborhood. Yeah, so, so, uh, you know, so Roger came to saw us. We hooked up his management, and he and Brian O'Neill. What kind of gig you give, a two-hour? No, no, no. We cut it down that time. We didn't do the two-hour thing. Brian had a talk with me about that. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, you don't need to play two hours, bro. (laughs) Cut it down. (laughs) He gave a little constructive criticism, and it worked out well. Um, so, So, Roger picked us up, and, uh, Began managing the band. Of course, you know, through the Bus Boys and Fear, he had a lot of good contacts. And he put us in, we just started playing everywhere and with everybody. And, you know, furthering our education on music, you know. So they, it was Brian and, and Roger had a talk with me about the name Megatron. And they actually... Who su- came up with that name? Um, that, was, that was a couple of us, like, looking through the dictionary going like... <laughs> You know, it's the best place to work. yeah, yeah, it was, it was, but it was a horrible name. So <laughs> we just like, and they were like, "Look, you, you keep that name. You know, you might keep getting booked with these heavy metal bands." <laughs> you know, my my younger brother Fish, his nickname was Fishbone. He was like, "Maybe you want to just shorten his name to Fish and call the band Fishbone." Okay. 
So I turned to the rest of the band and we talked about it for you know a couple few days and eventually everybody agreed like yeah let's go with that and then after that we began to be booked as Fishbone and Get like just logo. fucking so there's, only, there's only a couple Megatron gigs only a couple Megatron gigs <laughs> only those two yeah and the re- everything else was like this Fishbone life. And we just went forward and fucking um, did it. Yeah, from the five guys, you said there was like how many? It was six originally. I mean, not, uh, yeah, from that core. Yeah, but you said there was a whole bunch of dudes. That yeah. Pat, how did those they get like kind of pared down? They they were not asked to leave. They were interested in, like I said, the dance the, and the gangster. The gang okay. life got them. Wow, all you know. Dudes. Oh, like when you saw that big man, if he would have got the guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was one of the cats coming around to jam. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and like like you know, like really, what we talking about the fucking seventies still. Yeah, sure, so sure. all the black bands was like eleven, twelve, you know, P Funk with who yeah. knows how many they had in, but Earth Wind and yeah, Fire yeah. was a gigantic band everywhere you look. What no three piece black bands? No, you know what I mean. No, <laughs> Trio in the right, 40s. exactly. So did, that, so did you get to meet George and Bootsy after that show? I met Bootsy that night. Um, Bootsy's brother, Catfish. Yeah, had, yeah, yeah. He he invited us to an after party. Wow. And uh, so we went. We were he too. Stayed with Jim Brown a long time. Yeah, we were too young to get into that, but we got in. And actually, Michael Clip Payne had a lot to do with us being able to. They, so we hung out. With, uh, with those guys, George never showed up, you know. But they invited us to the hotel the next day, Damn. right? So we go, we go down. They were, they were staying at the uh, Sunset Marquee, right? And we go down there. We never did that before in my life. Go to, like, you know. So we go down there, and Annabella Lewin was hanging out, was staying at the hotel. She was in town. Bow Wow Wow was in yeah, town. Sure. I, of course, I had a huge crush on her. I think she was my age or something like that. You know, <laughs> you, remember, yeah, you know, she was yeah, right. young. Uh, Bali, maybe? Yeah. So, but, uh, but, yeah, so we went and hung out, like Dennis Chambers and... and Actually, you think her band was the Adamant band. Yeah. Somehow, Malcolm McLaren brought... Got her. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, you're at the Rock Hotel. Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, we hung out there and met, met our superhero, sit at me, George. <laughs> you know, but I, I actually don't think I really got to meet George until, like, Flea had a birthday party at his 25th birthday party, I think, after George produced. Uh, yeah. Kind of party, mofo party. Uplift mofo yeah, party right. plan. So, uh, yeah, Flea's birthday party at his at Flea's mom's house, Mount Washington. George came by, you know. Okay. Fucking, and, and we did this crazy jam. Lindy Getz, their manager on drums, because I think Lindy used to play, he was the, the actual drummer behind the curtain with the monkeys, I think. Oh. Right? Oh. And then he went on to manage sure. Sly and the Family Stone. Or he was the guy who went to pick up the money for when Sly wouldn't show up. And they knew he was passed out in the hotel. 
Lindy was the guy that would go and pick up the money. Yeah, he'd pick up the money and leave before they knew that Sly wasn't going to show up. Right? That's how Lindy got into management. Lindy, anyway. <laughs> Lindy on drums. I, I was playing upright. Flea, Flea, Flea was playing electric bass. George singing. Maybe, maybe Hillel was playing guitar. Uh, but like we did that, that just crazy jam on Flea's birthday. Wow. That was amazing. Wow. So yeah, that was my first time getting to hang with George. I think. But we're at the, the second hour, uh, January twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen edition. We're gonna have to do the spin cycle at the beginning of the third hour. Don't want to put log jam. <laughs> right, 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 right. So we're gonna, for, I think, first time ever on our show, do the spin cycle cool, cool. to start off the third hour. January 27, 2016, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. And for, I think, the first time ever, we're doing Brother Matt's spin cycle. Yeah. Not an hour two. Yeah, with Norwood.
字嘅前言。三藩市华埠新桥公园中心，特别录制呢一个入字
Fisher on the spin cycle. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Cool. That was really great bass. Yeah, bitching. Much, much respect. Brother Matt, what made you do what you just did? Well, I wanted to try to put something down that he could go off on. Yeah, well, it sound, <laughs> felt good to me. <laughs> How long have you been playing these uh, people? He's got a bass here. It's beautiful. That's like an acoustic guitar, but it's got metal metal strings. Now, what would you call this? It's, it's, a, it's an acoustic bass, but, but it's just not like your upright doghouse classic style. It's, it's got frets. Yeah, it's got frets. I actually... I have a fretless one as well. It just and the fretless one is actually it's been the one that I play the most classically. Um this one's just been out a lot lately. Uh and but uh years of years ago, uh Ovation made yeah. they, they I saw an Ovation five string fretted acoustic bass. Wow. Made like a regular ovation guitar with the brown back and everything. Maybe slip off your lap. Yeah, I bought I bought it though. I was like, ah, I gotta have it. And got it. Um, actually, no. Wait, did I buy that? I might have like talked my way into uh, them giving it to me free or something. I don't know. I, it was, but what I didn't realize is that the one that I had was the eleventh one ever made. And I wish I would have. <laughs> I wish I would have known how what that meant, because I carried that thing around like the case disintegrated. Okay. And I just ran around everywhere with it by the neck, and it just got beat the fuck to death. Cause I just, I just, just everywhere. I loved it. So you don't need an amp; you can just play it. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I just took it everywhere. Just ah, but. It got beat the fuck up. Okay. And and then, like, eventually I talked to somebody at the company. I was like, hey, can you guys, like, fix this? And so it was a woman at, the, at Ovation, and she took it. Yeah. She was like, well, we'll give you this other one, you know. And uh, in between the time when she took it from me, like, she left she left the company. And that, that number 11 disappeared. Uh. Yeah, so then I had the, the uh, this other one, and like I still have that one, and it's yeah. but uh, you know I'm I've I've been with Warwick a long time. I was I, okay. So you played Rock Island Line. I'll tell you a little something about that, right? Um, I am not playing on that track. Oh. The only person from Fishbone on that track is the drummer, Fish. Fish. Oh. Yeah. So when they introduced, you know, this is Fish from Fishbone to Little Richard, he just called him Fishbone from then out. Okay. Hey, Fishbone! Right? Well, wasn't that his nickname you were saying? Yeah, yeah. It was originally his nickname anyway. So it works. But the he's the only guy from Fishbone he's on that. The band, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But who is playing bass on that yeah. is Randy Jackson oh, from bad. American Idol. Yeah. Yeah, he ended up a judge. Yeah. But I remember he was at Columbia. Yeah, he was at Columbia. And he he was David Kahn's boy. Right. David put David, you know, directed him to that track, which was cool. Oh, wow. And, uh, Small world. Yeah. Okay, let's listen to what we're going to play here. When problems arise. All right. Okay, fish. 
This one's called The Right to Work. I want 
Yes, that devil is kind of heavy metal when he flip that switch. When I start on the pedal, get a menstrual. I kind of all die, so we can't go back in the decks with a wrestler on the back. Hovering above and now things don't take quite the same. With that THC running through his veins, all his troubles going up and smoke. Hey, wake up, man, don't you poke at that joint and pass it on to the chemical doctor. Hold like look, I'm a beta young stoper. Crack hot veins, I dream of paradise. He takes his chances with a roll of the dice. His decision in a land of prohibition. You can masturbate, waste your breath on the solutions to realize. On legal on the the whole world's still gonna take a hit. Smoke some shit, we wanna smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real hill. We gotta smoke some shit, we wanna smoke some shit. We gotta smoke some shit. Master Slug Boy, the Monica he employs as a decoy and committed to the green, the brown, and the black, the five and five, and hold him back. To all you friends, to win, keep searching for the evidence. Cause you got my chance of finding, call me US presidents. Hands on the balls on their abouts. That's the first time I've been a dark bitch mouth. Luck is his name, smoking weed is his game. Put the whole bag in now, don't you ever complain. Waking up to the papers of the rolling can. First thing in the morning, getting Chinese. Chinese I smoke some shit. We wanna smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real heal. We gotta smoke some shit. We wanna smoke some shit. We gotta smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real heal. We gotta smoke some shit. So let no man go. The power of Nelia in this first of a month of a fail still with your shit first. I take this advice from the Alvis. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. It's a one for the honey and two for the weed Three for the weed Four for the weed Five for the weed Six for the weed Seven for the weed Eight for the weed Nine for the weed Ten for the weed When I'm home alone I've got the future and the phone Fire up a fifth star and enter the zone With some skunk scored from a part-time dealer Selling to his mates from a better free reaper Kick back and relax, enjoy your favorite tempo Suck a day now like a baby on a nipple Chill out to this jam, I'll get up and dance We say is give we the chance. Smoke some shit. We wanna smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real heal. We gotta smoke some shit. We wanna smoke some shit. We gotta smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real heal. We gotta smoke some shit. We wanna smoke some shit. We gotta smoke some shit. Marijuana's the real heal. We gotta smoke some shit. Good. 
I just remember you be Blake. You be Blake. You know, 99 years yeah. old, sitting at a piano, saying, I'm still learning. You know? Yeah, Papa John Creech told me it just takes me a little longer to warm up. Right? Willie <laughs> Nelson said I outlived my dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, people, we start off the third hour, of course, with that righteous spin cycle with Norwood collaborating with Brother Matt. But just now we heard uh, the problems ride, fishbone. What's the word on that? Well, that one, that one was a, was a, uh, I think Kendall Jones wrote the song. He he introduced it to the band. Me and Fish looked at each other and said, "We don't like what he whatever he presented. We didn't like it." Yeah. We was like, "Let's let's flip it." And so we just we when when rehearsal was over, we just started digging in and we figured out like, you know, inspiration for that rhythm arrangement is a Funkadelic song off America Eats Its Young called Miss Lucifer's Love. Okay. Where it has that driving uh, kick drum. Right. You know, Good just... Disco kid. Yeah. So we that was the inspiration, and we just dug in and kind of flipped it around and, and made it to where we could dig it. <laughs> what did Kendall say? Oh, this, the song is as it is because Kendall was like, that's great. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. liked where we went with it. We didn't argue. Yeah, great. You know. Um, then we had the ruts after that within a rut. Chelsea, right to work live. These pricks are wrong from external menace. King Prawn was smoke some shit. World be free. I'm done. There was a basketball player called World Met a World Peace. That too, but... Oh, this is years, a few years ago. Oh, World Be Free, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lloyd. Yeah, he wasn't born with that name, but he took Lloyd Free, I think. Yeah. Let's pretend rats in the Louvre. That's Craig Abara, Proj, and finally Poser, E.V.L. The current plan for Fishbone. Well, you know what? We've been in the lab writing some new songs. Okay. You actually, um, yeah, yeah, and Angelo's like been sitting on some amazing poetry that, uh, like he, he he had these three poems that I when I heard him I was like, it's like a concept record waiting to happen, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and and actually Walt actually spoke it. He said like Walt said we should make a concept record about being in a band, <laughs> but Angelo had these poems like independent sitting around yeah. one of the the main one we're gonna write we're writing like we'll write it like a concept record based around his poem called uh uh road dogs in the can of ill repute i'm sure you can relate <laughs> man that guy's an awesome man yeah he's he's a great friend <laughs> yeah, he he means it, man. Every step of the way, he's authentic. So so the road dogs in the can of ill yeah. repute about rolling around in a van, sure. smelling each other's farts, you know. Working the town. Yeah, and then uh, uh, lifestyles of the famous but not rich, <laughs> and uh, another song called Soul Survivor. Yeah, and uh, so those that's so we start there, and we're gonna build that's out. Cool. And create like this kind of 
picture of 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 uh you know the 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 love hate relationship with the grind the good grind it's it's always love but it can be painful yeah right <laughs> well this gets to the next thing advice young people come up to you ask for advice in this racket yeah yeah they do and you, don't. you know like the game has changed and i actually I actually like the way the game has changed on a certain level. It's somewhat in favor of the artist, you know. This, this, the majors are still around doing what they do, and but but you know I, I'm happy to look around and see like more young bands that are keeping ownership of their own music yeah. and 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 doing things for so themselves. That's what you can tell. Keep autonomy. Yeah, keep keep autonomy. But one thing is for sure. Yeah. Beyond that side of it is when you when you're aiming for your goals in music, just make sure that you love what you're doing. Like do it with love in your heart, and and try to as best as possible. You know, look at your brothers that you're playing music, brothers and sisters that you're playing music with, and and. Actually, keep your communication levels high and, you know, express that love. And every band does not have to last forever, yeah. you know. Every band does not have to be beaten to the ground. Sometimes it's time to set it down and go figure out getting a job as a lifeguard or accountant or dig a ditch. But really, you know, if you if just... Stay in, stay in touch with the love, and if the love is gone, be honest about it. You know, and maybe go, go your separate ways. Unless you got legions of fans that'll keep you together for no good goddamn reason other than to play for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. good, good happen, happen, happen. That, that that saves you because it's been lived. Yes, oh, yes, it's, yeah, it's oh, been. Man, it's been righteous. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks for coming Over down. Board. Thank you for coming. Hey, down. thanks for having a brother. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I hope to catch you over at St. Rock in the next week. That's right. Oh, oh yeah, it's coming up fast. Yeah. All that right. Too far from here. Oh, man. Yeah, time to... gigs in Hermosa Beach in a lot. Yeah, yeah. Time to, uh, uh, time to set up a rehearsal, actually. No. <laughs> We've been rehearsing every Monday writing songs. Every Monday in Gardena. Gardena. In Gardena, every Money Monday. Mark. You know Money Mark? Yeah, Plus Money Mark. From there, but so is Money yes. Mark. Money Mark Nishida. Okay, brother Matt. Right thanks on. so much for your always essential evening in a bed. Certainly. Lord, thanks for making that hell ride and getting down the yeah. All right. Good luck getting back. It's been the uh, no. January 27, 2016 <laughs> edition of the Rock Beaver Show. Everybody, keep your powder dry.